One of the things that I've uh, recently noticed, my little girl Finley, she's three years old, is that there's just this tendency inside of her to hide. The other day I noticed as things got really quiet around, around my house, uh, which is always a sign that my kids are being mischievous, that, that they're doing something that is not right when things get quiet. And, and so I, I walk in her room and I see Finley and Jones, I see their little feet kind of sticking out behind the curtain. And I walk in and I pull back the curtains and there they are with all their plastic Easter eggs opened up and they're just going to town on some candy. And, <laughs> and Jones, you know, he doesn't even bother taking the wrapper off. He's just eating Twizzlers, wrappers and all. Like he's just going at it. And I just look at my kids and I'm going, you, you know, Finley, you're not supposed to do this. This tendency in, in them to hide, but it's not just my kids. I was thinking about my life, that, that there's this tendency in my life to, to, to hide. And so I remember growing up playing basketball in my house, in my living room, especially this time, March Madness. You watch basketball, it just makes you want to play. And maybe not you, but it did me. And, and so we'd be playing in the house, my younger brother, and we'd inevitably break something. You know, we, we broke this little vase in my mom's and instead of going and telling her about it, what did I do? I turned it around <laughs> or I, I broke a plate that she had uh, this special plate to her that was up on her, this bookshelf. And what did I do? I put books in front of it because I didn't want her to find out. And, and there's just something about us that, that, that we have this tendency, this instinct to hide, to cover up, <laughs> to run and shut the door this morning. I've been so excited to, to, to jump into this, this word together. Last week, um, we, we continued in our Everyday Discipleship series. We talked about this idea of, of us as a family, like all different places in our spiritual journey, but we come here and we're, and we're family. And what does it look like for us to be a people that, that understand grace and commitment, both from God and to each other? This week, we're gonna throw in another element. We're gonna to continue to talk about this idea of us as a family. We're gonna talk about this idea of what it looks like for us to know each other and love each other. This idea of being known and being loved. I want us to glimpse at three different stories this morning in the Bible. We're not gonna spend a whole lot of time in them, but I think that there are some really important truths kind of all over the Bible. And I don't want us just to look at one text. I want us to kind of have a much bigger understanding of, of what it looks like to really be known to really be loved. I don't know this as a fact, um, but what I've learned and seen over the, the years is that I don't think any of us uh, really want to be a part of a church where we come in and we feel like we have to pretend. Th that deep inside of us, we do not want to hide. We don't just want people to see our Instagram lives, right? We want to be known. And yet what I've seen is that most of us, we, we don't really believe that we can both be known and loved. Maybe we wouldn't say that with our lips, but we say it with our lives. We all have these thoughts, man, if you really knew me, you wouldn't love me. And so what do we do? We, we settle for lives where we just let people see the best version of us. And the whole time we're not content. Douglas, my friend who preached a couple weeks ago, he said this to me on Thursday. He said, to be fully loved, we have to be fully known because we will never believe someone really loves us if we're holding back us from them. You see, I believe that in order for us to be a family, 
And this is a place that we thrive as the people of God, that, that when we're known and loved, and in order for us to both be known and loved, I don't think we need a self-help book, and I don't need to stand up here and yell at us and lecture us, and I don't need you to yell at me and lecture me. What we need to do as the people of God, trying to figure out this whole thing, is to look at God, to look at what he has done for us through Jesus, his son. And so we're gonna look at three different stories this morning. Genesis chapter three, in order for us to be a family that is both known and loved, the first thing that must happen, I believe, is that God must find us. If you're a note taking, you can write that down, that, that God finds us. Give us a Cliff Notes version on what's going on up till Genesis chapter three. So God created a man and a woman. Their names were Adam and Eve. And, and the, the experience they had with God is they got to see God all day, every day. And they live with God in the Garden of Eden. I love Genesis chapter two, verse 25. I think it sums up so well their state with each other and their state with God. It says that they were naked and they felt no shame. And the picture that I'm supposed to see in Genesis chapter two, I think, is that, is that there was nothing to hide. They were naked and they felt no shame. They walked in such wholeness, not brokenness. They walked in such peace and joy and security. They were fully known and fully loved. There was nothing in them or about them that felt like they needed to hide. Chapter three comes around and Satan enters a story for the first time. He starts lying to the man and woman. He starts metaphorically throwing out seeds of distrust to the man and woman. So they start questioning God's intention, his character and his words. As I was reading Genesis 3 this week, it hit me that what Satan does in Genesis 3 is what he's done to all of us. Whether you grew up in church or whether this is the first time you've ever been to church, at, at some point, each and every person, we have decided, we've made the decision that, that we know better than God how to live this life. You don't have to be a religious person to even have this conversation, but at some point, we decide that, that we know what is best. So often we, we read scripture and we read uh, the Bible and we, we look at this and we go, God, you're so restrictive. And you don't want me to enjoy life and you're out of touch with the things that you said and, and you don't want what's best for me. And so what do we do? This is what each and every one of us does. We, we, we take what we think we deserve. That we see what we want and so we take it and then we have no idea the brokenness that enters our lives when we decide to be the ultimate authority. Right where we're going to pick up this morning, God has just told the man and the woman, the only thing I don't want you to do in the garden is to eat from this one tree, to eat this one fruit. Beginning in verse 6 of Genesis 3 is where we pick up this morning. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called, listen to that, the Lord called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. 
so I hid. And, and, and there's so much good stuff in here, but this morning what I want us to see is that, is that this is what sin does to us. This is what our sin does to each and every one of us, that it, it makes us hide. That we take that fruit, we, 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 we take what we think, what we want, and in enter, and in enter sin. And in enters shame, and in enters brokenness, and we cannot face what we've done. So we hide. We hide from God. We hide from each other. We hide from ourselves. Let's bring this into our lives a little bit more. Think about the, the one thing in your life, maybe the two things or the 50 things that you go, man, if, if, if anyone knew this about me, they would not love me. You know, we all have these things that, that we try to keep hidden, that we try to keep fig leaves over. You had a one night stand and you wake up and you go, man, I can never let anyone know this. My house church or my husband or my friends, my parents. You get caught back up in that sin that you thought that you had overcome, drunkenness, gossip, jealousy. It's different for all of us, but we all have these things that we conceal and we hide just like Adam and Eve because we're filled with shame. And we can't bear the thought of people seeing us because we believe that if they really saw us, if they really knew us, they wouldn't love us. But look what God does in the hiding. Look what he does in the hiding of Adam and Eve. Look what he does in the hiding of our lives in verse nine. Did you notice what God does doing? He's walking and what does he do in verse nine? It says that he called to them. And I believe because they were willing to just quit running, because they were willing to just stand and be found by God. I love verse 21. It, it goes on. You can go back and you can read the rest of the story. It's amazing. But the, in verse 21, it says that, that God called them and then God clothed them. And I think this is what God is doing. And this is what God longs to do for each of us in the midst of our, our running, in the midst of our hiding, in the midst of our concealing, in the midst of us sitting in our own shame and brokenness. He's continued to call your name. He's continued to take a walk in the cool of the day, calling us by name, calling your name through your family, calling your name through your friends, calling your name through a variety of circumstances and situations. And we're terrified of God finding us, aren't we? Is there anything more, more terrifying for a lot of us than God speaking into our lives? I wonder if I ask, and maybe you can just write this down and think about this. If, if God were to speak anything into your life, if he could say anything to you, what do you think he would say to you? And my gut is the majority of us would, would think something like this. I'm disappointed in you. You've messed up. You keep falling short. You've got a hard heart. How many times we are so fearful of the things of God. We're so fearful of his voice. I believe that the enemy has so convinced us, has so convinced us that our brokenness, it has so distorted us 
that we think God, the same God that we read about in the scripture who sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for our sin, to die for Evan's sin, to die for Jonathan's sin, to die for Amos' sin, to die for Brandon's sin, to die for Nick's sin. The same God who sent Jesus to die for us so that we could be forgiven. We think that him finding us is the absolute worst thing. When in fact, him finding us is the very first step for us in becoming people and becoming a community that's known and loved. And some of you are here this morning, you just need to hear this, that, that, that you have to let God find you. And when he finds you, he doesn't condemn you. He doesn't send you away. The heart of God is that he goes and finds people who are hiding in their sin and he longs to clothe. He longs to invite them out of hiding. And some of you are here this morning and you, and you don't believe in Jesus and you've not been a father of God. And the thing that I hope you hear is that, that God is calling your name so that he can clothe you. But how do we do that? I think it's important for us, to under, for us to understand that it's not us undoing something. We can't go and, and redo our past. We can't fix our past. And I don't think it's about us trying harder, being more disciplined, reading more, praying more. No, we are found and we are clothed, the scriptures tell us, by faith. That what it looks like to come out of hiding, what it looks like to be clothed is that we believe in Jesus really in the deepest parts of our heart believe. We receive the truth that's revealed in the scriptures that he died for our sin so that each and every one of us could come out of hiding. You see, when Jesus is, is really believed in, when, when Jesus, who is alive, who conquered death, who overcame our sin, when, when, when he is really believed in, shame begins to lift. And salvation comes because we realize that, that in our sin and even after our sin, that God has come looking for us, not to condemn us, but to clothe us with the righteousness, to clothe us with the forgiveness of Jesus. This is Galatians chapter three, verse 26. And when we as a family here at Marathon, we understand that God already knows us. And when we let him start loving us, we come alive. We begin to have the confidence to come out of hiding, but we must first let God find us. Turn with me to real quick to Matthew chapter 26. You guys hanging with me? I know this is kind of heavy stuff. Matthew 26, we're gonna be in verse 36. It's on page 696. If you're using one of our Bibles, Matthew chapter 26, page 696. Cliff notes leading up to where we are, it's the night before Jesus will be crucified. I think the reason this text is important is because Jesus, I believe he models for us what it looks like to, to live a life once we've been found by God. You see, many of us, I think we do this unintentionally, but we believe that once God finds us, once we become a Christian, once we are clothed in Christ, once we believe in Jesus, many of us have been taught that, that that's the finish line. 
That's all that God has for us. And, and I think Jesus is going to show us what it looks like to, to, as we become followers of Jesus, what it looks like to keep advancing in our life with God. Once God finds us, our life doesn't end. Our life is just getting started. But there are some things that we have to proactively do as a community and as individuals if we really want to be known, if we really want to receive love. Second idea is that, that Christ shows us. First idea from Genesis 3 is that God finds us. Second idea from Matthew 26 is that Christ shows us. This is, this is about us not only not hiding from God, but not, uh, us not hiding from each other. Man, they're having fun back there. Let's go back there. Verse 36, I love this. It says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with him. And Jesus began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And I think Jesus models for us a couple things here about what it looks like for us to really be known. And the first is this. I believe that he, that, that he takes the initiative and he invites people into his life. That Jesus takes the initiative and he invites some people in. And I want you to notice that Jesus is selective. Do you notice that Jesus doesn't invite all the crowds that he ever preached to, to, to come into the garden and see him like this? He doesn't even invite all the apostles to see him. He invites three. He takes the initiative. He invites a few in. The second thing that he does is I believe that Jesus, he lets Peter, James, and John see him fully. I don't think Jesus is concealing things from people. I don't think he's putting on a mask when he's around the crowds and the other apostles. I just think that there's a level of intimacy and trust that you do not have with everyone. And that's okay. I love that Jesus lets the three see him in his strength. And he lets the, th the three see him in his weakness. And guys, I, I think we learned something so valuable here about what it means to be vulnerable. That if we want to be known, it doesn't mean that you have to come up front and take the mic from me and share all of your stuff, all of your deepest, darkest secrets with everyone else in this room. I think it does mean, though, what we learn from Jesus about vulnerability is, is that you do let some people into your life to see the real you. The Instagram side of you, you at your best, and the side of you that you're still trying to keep hidden. Okay, now let's just call the elephant in the room. This terrifies us. Right, because... Once we're really known, the fear that all of us have is, man, what if we're rejected? What if we're not loved? And this fear, man, you know, some of us, the reality is that, that God has found us a long time ago, that we've come out of hiding from God a long time ago. We've, we've confessed, we've been walking with God, but the reality is that, that for a lot of us, man, we're still hiding from each other. 
And I think Jesus, he invites us to imitate him. I wonder what what it was like for Jesus in this moment, knowing that Peter and James and John were seeing a side of him that they weren't familiar with. You know, last year we spent a whole year in the book of Mark, the things that we saw Jesus doing. Healing the sick, walking on water, raising the dead, healing the blind, preaching to the crowd. This was Jesus in his strength. And Jesus in the most vulnerable posture I think we've seen of him. He lets the disciples see him in his weakness. Not walking on water, he was in a garden crying. Not wanting to die. We don't think about this a lot, but man, the risk that Jesus took in making himself known. What if Peter, James, and John would have said, I don't want to follow you anymore. One of the things that I've discovered is that when you let people in, that people who have really been found by God, when you let people in on your life that have feasted, not just tasted, but feasted on the grace of Jesus, when you let people in your life who really do, who really do love Jesus the King, healing starts to come. That, that more of that brokenness inside of us starts to heal. I think James chapter five, verse 16 is such an important verse for us. It says, uh, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you will be healed. I love that he doesn't say that you'll be forgiven. I think he's intentional here because he understands that whenever a, a believer in the Lord Jesus confesses sin, whenever they fall on their knees or whatever it looks like to, to own up to their sin, in that moment you're forgiven. But he understands that only when you confess to other people do you experience the healing from God. I want to just kind of share some of my story with you. A couple years ago, you know, I've been married to Courtney for eight years now, this upcoming May. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> clearly, you guys are excited about that as I am. Um, about two years ago, though, we were driving home. It was on Tuesday night. And for whatever reason, I, don't, I, I can't even explain it other than, than God was just going, Brandon, there, you, you want to be loved, but, but you're not fully known by your wife. That you've been so scared about her knowing about your past. That you've been so scared about letting her in. That, and because of that, there has been a, a, a lacking in intimacy, in healing, in joy, in love. So I remember driving, driving home in my my truck and I just told Court, I was like, I just need to, I just need to tell you some things. Are you ready for it? Like, can, can you handle this? Can I tell you? And she's like, yeah. And so I just lay the cards out on the table and I'm crying <laughs> and I'm so ashamed of the, the things that I've done and I'm so just scared that she's going to reject me. I'm so scared that she's going to hear my story and go, man, you really are a terrible person. Let's be done. And I tell her about the real brand and not just the preacher brand and not just the minister brand. And I let her know about the, 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 the sinful 
past that is just decorated with all kinds of, of sin. Sexual brokenness and lust and gossip and arrogance and I just let her into my life. And I remember she unbuckled her seatbelt and she, she scooted over in the middle seat of my truck. She said, I love you. She's like, that's some hard stuff to hear. But I love you. And it wasn't like instantly just things got better. It wasn't like instantly like we just left that conversation. We're like, okay, now let's go. Like back to normal life. That, that it takes time and it takes. But there was something that was so healing in me. Where for the first time in my life, the person that loved me most, she really got to know the real Brandon. Last Sunday night, the prayer gathering. If you've never been to the prayer gathering, you should come sometime. It's on Sunday nights at seven at the cannery. Uh, come and just pray with us. But uh, I, I was praying and I was confessing just some areas of selfishness and sin in my life to one of my buddies. And, and so we go in this different room and he starts praying for me. And he said, Brandon, um, are you afraid to, to, to be intimate? Are you afraid to, to let the people that you trust most, that you work with every day, are you afraid of, to be intimate with them? And at first I just thought, no, like I confess sin all the time to Andrew and Dave. And no, I'm not scared at all. And, but the more I thought about it, what I realized is that there were some things in my past that, that I wanted to keep from my coworkers. I wanted them to know the, the preacher Brandon, the, the kind Brandon. The, I didn't want them to know that. Stayed, could not sleep on Sunday night. Woke up Monday morning and had a meeting with some of those guys. And I just said, hey, I just feel very convicted that, that I do not want to, um, to be in the business of being your friend. I don't want to be in the business of doing ministry with you guys and, and wearing a mask. And so I want you to know about who I really have been. And I'm telling you that there's, there's healing that comes when you let people see the real you. And now here's the, here's the thing, I can't guarantee that, that every time you, you let people into your life that they're gonna receive it like my coworkers, like, they, like they're gonna receive it like my wife did. But I can tell you this, when you let people in on you, when you come out of hiding, not just from God, but from each other, healing begins. And it's like I walked in a new level of, of freedom and healing and confidence this week. Because I've been holding on and been hiding things for 20 years. And when God took away the fig leaves, it reminded me that I've been clothed in Christ. Oh, I can be known. I'm still loved. I can be known and I'm still loved. Here's what really got me this week as I was thinking about that through all my rebellion and all my sin and all my heartache and all of my continually choosing the apple. You know, I've been a follower of Jesus since I was 11 years old. Do you realize that God has never taken his presence from me? I've never been struck down by lightning. God has never come at me and said, Brandon, that's it, you're done. That for the past 20 years, as I've been trying to follow Christ, in the good and the bad, in the, in, the, in the obedience and the sinful disobedience, the Spirit of God remains. 
the work of Jesus is not undone because of our sinful choices. And this week, I was going, man, God, why, why don't you give up on me? How could you tend, how could you, you stay with me through my, my hard-heartedness and my disobedience? Because when God closes, we are covered. So we can come out of hiding. God must find us. Christ shows us. We let some people in on the real us. And I believe that this third idea is that that we start to love him unashamedly. That as, as God finds us, as Christ shows us, the third idea is that we learn to love him unashamedly. I love this picture that we get in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14, and I'm not gonna spend a ton of time here. You can turn there in your Bibles if you want, but I'll just read it to you. If you wanna write this down, you can go back and read it later. Here's what I love about this picture. There's this man named David. And here's David's story. He was a nobody. And yet God set his affections on him. God loved him and pursued him and anointed him. And one day, David has this moment. And I have no idea what was going through his mind because it doesn't tell us in scripture. But I love verse 14 of 2 Samuel chapter 6 where it says that David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. Listen to that. He was dancing before the Lord with all his might. He was dancing before the Lord with all his might while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark with shouts, with shouts and the sound of trumpets. And I want to just ask us this question. I hope it's not guilt-inducing, but I do want us to, to think about this. When is the last time you drove home on a Sunday afternoon and you thought, wow, I just worshiped with all my might? I don't think I've ever left. A, a, maybe I have, that's probably an overstatement. Very few times where I've got in my truck and gone, wow. I just laid it all out there for God. Verse 22, this is what David says. Not only am I gonna dance, not only am I gonna sing, not only am I gonna shout. He says in verse 22, I will become even more undignified than this. And we hear that, we go, undignified? Do any of us wanna be undignified? In worship? in a public place, in Nashville, where everyone is trying to be so dignified? You see, David was experiencing something that just made him come undone in the presence of God. To dance in front of the entire country? Could you imagine Barack Obama? Dancing and worship in front of the entire country. This is what is happening in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Their leader is not wearing a suit, standing behind a podium. He is walking up and down the streets of Broadway, dancing. He's vigorously jumping and he's spinning. Here is a man that is not afraid to make known publicly what he believes privately. Vulnerability, being known, it isn't just about confessing sin. It's not just about bringing the dark things into the light. No, I, I think vulnerability is also about not hiding the belief 
Not hiding the, the love, the friendship with Jesus. I think vulnerability is also about letting our church and our spouses and our house churches and our coworkers sing the real us that loves Jesus. You know, many of you come here today and, and the reality is that you don't have secret sin hiding in your past. Like, some of you guys have, you're fully known by my people in your lives. Your wife knows you, your husband knows you, your house church knows you better than you know yourself. You put all the cards on the table. And yet this week as I was reading 2 Samuel, God was like, I think he was putting this passage on my heart. I could totally be wrong, but, but I, I wonder if, if God has given us 2 Samuel 6 because he might be, be helping us think if there is more affection if there's more proclamation for Jesus and about Jesus that needs to be manifested publicly, physically in our lives. Are there, are there coworkers? Are there family members? Are there situations where you're afraid to speak of Jesus? Where you're ashamed to, to, to be a Christ follower? And because he loves us, he doesn't want us hiding anything, the good or the bad. Second Corinthians 3, verse 17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And those of you who are followers of Jesus, you have the spirit of the Lord and you have that freedom. I think God has so much more for us today than us kicking ourselves or us being fearful or us just hearing a sermon about vulnerability, okay? Look at me for a minute. Some of you are you're so down, you're just looking at the floor. I know that feeling, I get that. I think God longs to pour out his presence on us today. Like I really believe this. I think he longs to, to find some of us who are, are hiding today for those who have been running from God. I think he's calling to you to come out of the running, to come out of the hiding, to come out of the shame, to come out of the sin. I think he's calling some of you here today to give your life to Jesus, to, to be clothed in Christ. I think he's calling some of you to, to surrender your life to Jesus and to realize that the books you've been reading and the things that you've been trying, they, 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 are, they are not a solution to your brokenness. They are not a solution to your healing. Only Jesus is. And he's calling to you. Come. Come home. Come out of hiding. Come out behind that tree. Come into the light. Let me heal you. For some of us, I think he wants us to imitate him. Like in the Garden of Gethsemane. To let people see the real us. Don't be terrified. Don't be fearful. Healing comes. I think he's inviting and wanting some of us to quit holding back. Whether we know it or not, we've been way more concerned with what people think than what our king thinks. We are more concerned with upholding our image our dignification, if that's even a word. Is that a word, Amos? Dignification? It is now. Put it in the dictionary. 
we're more concerned with, with upholding our image than we are with expressing fully our love for Jesus. And so allow me just to, to speak with, as a, a man just like you. If you're a follower of Jesus, I'm broken and yet I'm being healed. Let me invite you in. Adam's gonna get back up here and he's gonna lead us in a few more uh, songs of worship. And, and if, if, if God is calling you, man, today, quit running. Give your life to him. There are gonna be several of us in the back at the Respond Banner, men and women. If you'd rather talk to, to, to a guy or a girl, we'll both be back there. Come back there and talk to us if you want to give your life to Jesus. Profess your faith. Simply just ask God, God, come into my life and then get baptized. Make it known publicly. Show us, show your king that he has found you. That there's nothing that you want to hide any longer. That you love him too. Some of you here this morning, as, as we take communion, as we break the bread and drink the cup, some of you are, are maybe feeling led to do this right now. Others, I would encourage you to do this at some point, man, to, to let some people see and know the real you. You don't have to tell everyone. <laughs> but confess and pray and be healed. That's what happens when you confess and you pray. Healing comes. And some of you, maybe you're not comfortable sharing with the person that you came with and there are gonna be some of us in the back and we would love just to, to listen to you and to pray for you. I promise you, we're not gonna publish your, your sin. We're not gonna publish the things that you tell us. We are a safe place. We care about your healing because we care about this being a place where we are known in love where we take off the mask. And I don't know if this is true or not for some of you, but I, I kind of grew up in a setting in, in, in a church where you only went to the, the back, you only got prayed for if you like shipwrecked your life. And we just want to get past that here as a family, that, that this is a place where you can pray if, if you're just having a bad week or you're just down in your faith and, and let us come and pray for you. And we'll be glad to listen to you. So please, if, if God is coming you to, to take off the fig leaves and to come out of the hiding from each other, let's do that today. For the rest of us, we're gonna take some time to, to take communion. Adam's just gonna uh, play for a few minutes and I encourage you to reflect and pray and, and maybe you need to confess that, that you've been ashamed or scared to talk about Jesus at work or with your friends or whatever and, and just share those things and pray and receive the healing. And then I wanna encourage us to to start letting the belief and the affections that we have for God be on display. Kind of in two different ways. For the rest of our time together, man, I'm gonna just invite us to, to think about the, the work of God in your life. Never given up on you. Never withdrawn a spirit. And I wanna invite you to, to sing, and to shout, and to dance. You can dance in church, it's okay. <laughs> Seriously though. You know, when I married Courtney, I, I made vows and I kissed her and I danced in front of everyone and I'm a terrible dancer because I wanted her to know that I love her. And let's worship today with all of our might.
not as a show, not to impress other people, but to show to God, we love you. We're not ashamed. And then this week, man, let's, let, let, as we go to our jobs, as we go to school, as we go back to our families, let's walk and let the love and the belief not just stay on our insides, but come out. Speak of Jesus. Be an ambassador for Jesus. Love Jesus. Invite people to Easter next Sunday. May we worship with all our might. Let's pray. God, I'm so thankful just for the scripture. And God, if I said or did anything today that is not true, that is misrepresented of you, forgive me. I'm trying, God, to just love these people and love you so well. And I know that I missed that. God, I pray that, that you will just flood this place. That, that your mercy and your grace and your love and your healing would flood this place in a way that is um, that only you could get credit for. And so the places of doubt, the places of unbelief, the places of fear, cut us loose today, God. Thank you for Jesus. Without him, we can't come out of hiding. Without Jesus, we must hide because you are a holy and perfect God. Yet because of Jesus, because he died for us, rose again, imparted to us his righteousness and forgiveness, we can come out of hiding. Jesus, we love you. We love you, Father. We love you, Holy Spirit. Do what it is that you do in this place and as we leave. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.